If you will, turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. If you want to follow along with our message notes, you can go to the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app, and if you will just go to the bottom and click uh Click more and then go to events and click that. You'll see New Life Church and, and our message notes for this week are there for you to save, for you to add to, take home, and study out this week. Amen? amen. Good. I've said amen a lot, haven't I? I must be trying to say, so be it, Lord, here. <laughs> okay. Well, a couple of weeks ago, we had the great honor as a church of, of joining with two other churches uh, to, for the purpose of prayer. And so a couple weeks ago, a few, actually during our, our 21 days, we were invited for a week of prayer and fasting with Jesus Church and Thrive Church. And so three churches, Jesus Church, Thrive Church, and New Life Church came together for the purpose of praying. Isn't that powerful? For the purpose of praying. And, but the thing that I noticed from the very first night, I noticed that whole week uh, as we met and prayed and worshiped and, and heard God's word and as, as we came together, the thing that I noticed was the richness of the presence of God. There was a richness of, the, of God's anointing in his presence. And I don't know about you, but I love the presence of God. Amen. There is nothing I love on the face of this earth more than being in his presence. I love the surprise of his presence. How many have ever been surprised by God's presence? You show up someplace and all of a sudden, man, I just feel God's presence here. You, you know, there are just, I just love the richness, the thickness of his, of his presence. That's the glory of God. Amen? And how many know that God loves the presence of his people? God loves your presence. Most of us don't talk about that. We love his presence and we come together for his presence. But God loves to be in the presence of his people. Right? When people show up, people begin to worship. God says, I'll join you. He loves the presence of his people. Psalms 133. I know I said Ephesians, but I'm going to read Psalms 133. One through three says, Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil. Look, listen at these illustrations of God showing up. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. It is like the dew of Hermon, descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing, life evermore. That's such a powerful passage of Scripture. It is such a one. He says how pleasant it is when his people come together in unity. It is like oil coming down from heaven. It's like, it's like the dew of Hermon uh, coming down. He says that's the place where the Lord commands his blessings. What is his blessings? Life forevermore. You know, Western mentality in church here in the West is blessings. It means bigger cars, more money. I'm going to tell you, there's no greater blessings than life 
eternally. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Right? Uh, there's just nothing better than that. There's nothing better than the presence of God. And he says that's where he commands them. But what I want you to understand this morning is Christianity is not an individual sport. I say sport because I'm a sport guy. Now, if you think about Paul, when he wrote, he wrote about running races. He wrote about being a boxer. You know, I think Paul was a sport guy. If he was around today, he would want to watch Super Bowl next Sunday with us, I think, right? <laughs> but Christianity is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. I want you to grasp what that means. Jesus says, the Son of Man has not come to be served, but comes has to serve and give his life for others. Jesus said, it's, it's not about me being served. This is Jesus, who is worthy to be served, who's worthy of, of us falling down before him. He says, no, I have not come to be served. I've come to serve and give my life for others. He taught us that if two of us, if just two of us would agree, come in unity and agree on any one thing, that your prayers will be answered. Amen. He taught that, that if two or three gather together in his name, what happens? He's with us. He comes. His presence comes if just two or three people. You see, because Christianity is not an individual sport. It, it is a team sport. And too many believers today... There's too many believers, this is, I, I believe it's because of this, the Western mentality of individualism, but, I, but too many believers today, just me and Jesus, all I need is Jesus. No, I don't need the church, I don't, I, all, just me and Jesus. I'm going to tell you, that is not what the Bible teaches. From cover to cover, it is about God and his people coming together in unity. I want you to know today, that you can't live without Jesus. Amen. There is no such thing as life. I'm talking real, true life without Jesus. We have what maybe people call life, but it's not true life. You can't live without Jesus. And you cannot say cannot do life alone. It doesn't work. Too many of you, too many of us have tried to do life alone and we fail, we fall, and we, we end up on our face. And the word of God, when we come back to it, we realize you can't, it doesn't work because Christianity is not an individual sport. It's a team sport. Today we're getting back to our study of the book of Ephesians. And the series that we call the mystery of the church. How many know that the church is a mystery? Amen. Now, the world we know does not understand. Why does the world speak negatively of the church so much? Well, probably because we're human and we make mistakes and we do stupid things too, just like the rest of the world. We're not perfect, right? But also because they don't understand the mystery of the church. Believers in the church, most Christians do not understand the mystery of the church. But I will tell you what I have seen and know and understand from the word of God is the church is Jesus' plan A for the world. 
It's not an alternative plan. It's not something that man created. It, the church is Jesus' plan A. So much so, he says, I'm going to go to the right hand of the Father. I'm going to go to heaven. And I'm leaving this not to you individually, but to the church. The word mystery, we, we, I've titled this the mystery of the church because really that's what the book of Ephesians is about, is the mystery of the church. I've titled this the mystery, and a mystery is the word mysterion, which is the Greek word mysterion, which means it's a secret. If you don't want to investigate, search out the things of God, it will remain a secret. The things of God are a mystery. You have to want it. You have to, you have to decide in your heart and your mind, I'm going to go after this. I'm going to seek after this. Proverbs 25.2, which has kind of become a theme of this, of this series, is it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. In other words, it's the glory of God to create mystery, but it's the glory of kings, God's people, to search out the mystery. It's the glory of kings. It's the glory of God's people to search out the mystery. Now, what we have to understand is mystery is secret, is a secret, but God doesn't hide things from us. He hides things for us. When we determine that we're going to seek out the Word of God, we're going to seek out the promises of God, we're going to seek out God's healing and His power and His miracles, we're going to seek them out. He hides them for us. When we determine to seek them out, we find the truth, and the reality of the kingdom. There's a good test that I say all the time. I, uh, I will tell you there's a test of, of how you view the church, how you, how you view this mystery of this thing called the church. Do you see the church? This is the test. Do you see the church as a building or as an organization? Or do you see it, that's right, a family, do you see it as the way God envisioned it when he created it? You have to know the word. You have to understand the word. But understand that the church has to be seen. It has to be understood. It has to be grasped. Just like his word, it's got to be understood by the Holy Spirit. You will never understand the, the, the kingdom. You'll never know, understand the power, the mystery of the church until you understand it by the Holy Spirit. Amen. It cannot be understood by natural things. It cannot be understood by the viewpoints and the ideologies and philosophies of the world. It won't happen. You have to view it by the Holy Spirit. So we finally get to Ephesians 4. And uh, we, this is the first, we took a break from, a, from this, this series over the Christmas holiday and through last week when Dr. Dale was here. How many enjoyed Dr. Dale being here last week? Amen? Powerful message. And you can go back. It was a message on, uh, on, on warfare. And, and it was not the kind of warfare you think about. But I want to encourage you, go back and go to our website and listen to that message. Powerful message. But uh, the book of Ephesians, the first three chapters of Ephesians, what we finished just before the holidays, the first three chapters are all about the unseen realm. It's all about what, what Paul calls heavenly places. Three chapters about 
the kingdom of God in heavenly places, the unseen realm. How many know there is an unseen realm? There's an unseen realm. When we experience the presence of God, that means that we have joined into the unseen realm, heavenly places in the earth. You can't, you can't touch the presence of God. You can't, uh, you can't see the presence of God. There have been times in history, in revival history, where there have been manifestations of, of gold dust and things like that where people can see the glory. But, but understand, the presence of God is this unseen realm. When the, when the seen realm and the unseen realm come together, when heaven invades earth and, and earth seeks after and penetrates the heaven, you get the presence of God, this unseen realm. That's what the first three chapters of Ephesians are about. Five times in Ephesians, Paul writes about heavenly places. He speaks of it as heavenly places, which is things above. How many know there's things above, and then there's things of the earth, and he says heavenly places are things above to distinguish between that and the things below or the things in the earth. Now, I want you to flip back. We're at Ephesians 4, but just go back to Ephesians 1 for one second. I promise we will get to Ephesians 4. <laughs> Giving you some anticipation here, right? Ephesians 1.20, listen to this, what it says. It says that God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. There's that word, heavenly places. And where's heavenly places? Far above what? All principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named. Jesus has been seated in heavenly places. He's been seated there above every power of every principality. He's above it. Above every power and might and dominion. Every name. Every name like cancer. Every name like poverty. Every name like hate. He, his name is above. That's where he's seated. Now, flip over one more. Flip uh, uh, one more chapter forward into two, into Ephesians two, verse four. Listen to this. God, who is rich in mercy, even when we were dead in trespasses. Anybody here? Were you dead in trespasses when you came to Christ? Right. God, who is rich in mercy, <coughs> even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive. Now, remember this word, next word, together. Made us alive where? Together. together. With Christ, together with Christ, and raised us up, what? Together, and made us sit together in heavenly places with Christ. Now, Jesus is in heavenly places, far above all these things, right? God, rich in mercy, has seated us Together, in unity, he says together, the word together, he says it three times in, this, in these two or these three verses. Three times he says the word together. You're seated, when you are seated together in the body of Christ, in the church, you're seated with Christ together, far above all dominion, far above. This is why Christianity is not an individual sport. It's called being together. Are you hearing me, church? Are you grasping this? No? <laughs> okay, I'll start all over here. No. <laughs> we'll never finish here. We'll never get to, to chapter four. 
<laughs> now, so the first, the first three chapters are about the unseen realm. The last three chapters of Ephesians, chapters 4 through 6, are about how to live out the unseen realm in the earth. How many know that we're not called to live in heaven? We're called to live in the earth. But we're called to live, we're called to live this unseen realm. We're called to live in heavenly places walking in the earth. We're called to live in the earth above every dominion, above every power, above every sickness, above everything. We're called to live above it while walking in the earth. Are you hearing me, church? Okay. Now, finally, we come to chapter 4. See, what I really did is I kind of snuck in a review. <laughs> Pastor Tim said yesterday, he says, are you going to review where we were? Well, kind of. So I snuck it in there. So we finally come to chapter 4, verse 1. Paul writes, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing with one another in what? In love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one Spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all, say who is above all, and through all, and in you all. Look at your neighbor and say, he's in you. Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, today. And God, we just invite you to penetrate our hearts, Lord. If we haven't opened our hearts, help us, Holy Spirit, to open to receive your word today, to know your truth. Lord, and to walk in it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The title of my message today is The Called Out. How many know the church is the ecclesia? The Bible speaks as the Greek word, the ecclesia, and it means, that word means the called out. You are part of the called out. Jack Hayford, who we just lost a few weeks ago, is one of our great spiritual leaders, Jack Hayford said, the church is called out of the world to live in union with the Holy Spirit. The church is called out of the world of worldly things to live in union with the Holy Spirit. What I want you to see this morning is the church, you, we, the church are those who have been separated from the world, separated from worldly mindsets. We push away worldly mindsets, viewpoints, philosophies. The church are those who have been separated from the world and consecrated to worship and service of God. I want you to know we've been separated from the world, consecrated to worship and to in the word of God. Amen. So I want to point out to you today, real quick, I'm going to point out three attributes of the called out. You could easily say three attributes of the true church that Jesus came to establish, but these are three attributes of the called out. Say the called out. Right. Say, I'm part of the called out. I'm part of the called out. So the first attributes is we are called to a heavenly calling. 
We are called to a heavenly calling. Paul says in verse 1, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Two words I want you to notice there. Two words, therefore. And the reason he says therefore is because of all he's talked about in chapters 1 through 3. Everything he's talked about up to this point, he says, now, therefore, so all that I've reviewed, all those messages, chapters one through three, he says, therefore, it's the result of what he's already taught us. And the second word is calling. We have a calling, but I want you to know it, it's not as you think. The Western culture defines calling as a profession or a vocation or a trade. We've got to come out of that mindset because that is not what he's referring to here regarding calling. The word calling here is translated from a Greek word that means invitation. A calling from God is an invitation. How many ever heard of Henry Blackaby? Anybody heard of Pastor Henry Blackaby? wrote some great books, great author and pastor. Henry Blackaby said, God doesn't call you to ministry. He calls you to himself. It is Western culture, it's the mindset of the world that has this idea that people are called to ministry or that people are called to a vocation or a trade. But God doesn't call you to ministry. He calls you to himself. And all of us have been called by God. That's why Paul says here, he says, I beseech you, brethren, to walk worthy of, and I'm going to replace the word calling with invitation. I therefore beseech you to walk worthy of the invitation with which you were invited. The misconception in the church, and, and I'm going to tell you, it's a religious misconception. The misconception is the church, and it's created this dichotomy that we, it's a worldly, uh, fleshly dichotomy, and I, it came about because of religion. And what it is, is a, it is the, the belief that there are those called, and there's that are not and what it created was this concept in the Christian church of pastors and people. People who get up on stage and talk or do things and people who sit in the pews. And what it did is it caused people to waste away the calling of God in the pews and not become who God has created them to be. It's a false teaching. The truth of the matter is we've all, you, have been called. You have been called. In Growth Track, which we start a new series today, one of the things we teach in Growth Track is that all of you, you are the ministers. Here at New Life, maybe in other churches it's different, but here at New Life, you are the ministers. And everything that is going to be done and accomplished in this church and in this community is going to be done by the ministers. You are the ministers because that's the word of God. Are you hearing me? But our calling, our calling, we are all called to God. That's our calling is to him. He's, his invitation is come up hither. He says to you, come up close to me. 
Draw near to me. The Bible says, draw near to me. I'll draw near to you. That is the true calling uh, of God on your life, on my life. It's not to be this or to be that, to be a profession or a trade or a vocation. Your calling is to God. Draw close to me, and I'll draw close to you. When you come to him now, don't get this wrong. God will give you assignments. When you're obedient and you pursue him and you come to God and you follow that calling every day for the rest of your life, you make a commitment and determination. I'm going to be a follower of him. My calling is to him. God will give you assignments. He'll put you to work. Amen? Everybody in the Bible, I see nobody in the Bible that comes to God that doesn't leave and go to work. Think about it. What did Jesus do? He goes through the wilderness, 40 days, 40 nights, fasting. What did he do when he says he came out of the wilderness in the power of the Holy Spirit? And what did he begin to do? He went to work, right? He'd been with God. He goes to work. God will give you assignments. We're all called. Say, I am called to a heavenly calling. The second attribute of the called out is we are called to walk worthy. We're called to walk worthy. Ephesians 4, 1 through, 1 through 3 says this, I beseech you to walk or live. That word walk means to live. I beseech you to live worthy of the calling with which you were called with all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Now, the word worthy here does not mean the same as if you call it Western culture, our culture. In, in the world, worthy means entitled. That's not what worthy means here. The word worthy comes from a Greek word that means comparable, suitable. He's saying live or walk suitable or comparable to that for which you have been called. What have you been called to? You've been called to God. Your calling is to him. He says, now live out your life comparable or suitable to that calling. Everything you do, let it be comparable to that calling. Here's the key to understand this. The calling or invitation that we have is all because of what Jesus did so that we can come close. How many of you know before Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross, was resurrected, only certain people could go into the Holy of Holies without dying? There was a veil, a curtain, a separation. You could only go so far. And when he died, he broke, he tore. That, that, that veil, that separation was torn so that we can come close. And from that point on, he says, no, come boldly before the throne of God. Find mercy before the throne. You can come into his presence. You can come. So this calling to walk worthy means, hear this, to walk worthy of his calling means to walk worthy of what he did to bring us into his presence, to give us the freedom, the boldness to come before his throne of grace. Do you remember Jesus? He said, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me or comes to the Father except through me. Okay? The invitation to draw near comes to come close to him is the result of his suffering. It's the result of his death on the cross. It's the result of his resurrection and victory over the grave. We draw near to him only because of what he did for us. To walk worthy of that means I am not going to waste what he did on the cross. I'm going to press in to my heavenly father. I'm going to follow him. I'm going to come boldly before his throne of grace. That's what walking worthy means. I'm not going to hold back from pursuing him. Too many Christians pursue him on Sunday. When every one of us need to be pursuing him on Monday. We need to have to, our mindset needs to be, I got to go to work and stop. I, I got, you know, well, I'll figure out how to keep praying while I'm working. You know, I'll keep praying. I'll keep figuring out how to see God in everything I do. See him in, in life. See him out in the workplace. See him at the growth. I'll figure out how to live a life of praise and worship all the time. Why? Because my heart is to pursue him all the time, yes. not part-time. And he says, walk worthy. Walk worthy of what Jesus did so that that can be our life, so that we come into his presence all the time. We're called to walk out this heavenly calling in a manner that is worthy of what Jesus did for us. Are you hearing me, church? This heavenly calling that we are to walk out, we're to walk it out in the earth. That's why I say this, there's a, this heavenly calling or these heavenly places is not to be walked out in heaven. When you go to heaven, you know, the sweet by and by, you're getting my message here. God's never saying, you got to wait till you go to heaven to live in heavenly places. He says, I want you to learn how to live in heavenly places in the earth. I want you to learn how to live in these, this realm in the earth when you go to work, when you go to the grocery store, when you're out with people. I want you to learn how to see God and be his representative and to feel the presence of God in the midst of a stressful day in the world. Yeah. And he says, here's how to do it. He tells us, do this with all lowliness and gentleness. Why? Because you didn't earn it. It's a gift. Do it with all humility and mildness because it's a gift of God. Do it with long suffering. Long suffering. Jesus said, I never told you it wasn't going to be hard. Okay? I'm going to tell you, praying for healing is hard work. Praying for blessing is hard work. Pursuing God is hard work. Are you hearing me, church? I see it throughout the Bible. Think about Daniel. It was hard work, 21 days. Think about it. Then he says, endeavoring, which means working to keep the unity of oneness or unity of of the spirit, this oneness in the bond of peace. 
All of this is not easy work, but it's what we're called to walk out in the earth. We're called to walk out our heavenly calling of God while we walk in the earth to do it with lowliness and gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. We're called to walk worthy of this heavenly calling. Here, now, today, not tomorrow, not the sweet by and by. We're called today. The third attribute of this heavenly calling or the third attribute of the called out is we're called to walk in oneness. Say oneness. He goes on, he says, there is one body. That's church. How many know the body? He refers to the church as his body. There is one body. That's the church. Okay. One spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. That's the presence of God. Just as you were called or invited in one hope of your invitation. Are you, are you following me? One Lord, one faith, one baptism. There's not multiple. One God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. He says that we are to learn to walk in the oneness of God. That's why if you look at, at, at uh, John 17, it's Jesus' high priestly prayer. He says, Father, I wish that they would be one as you are in me and I in you, that they would be one in us. He's talking about unity. He's talking about, he's, he's telling us there, Christianity is not an individual sport. You can't do this by, by your Sunday fix in church. You can't do this by saying, all I need is Jesus, just Jesus and me. It doesn't work. If you want to know why, if some people say, well, you know, Christianity doesn't work, you know, or, or prayer doesn't work, you know, I, I pray for this and it doesn't happen. I, I keep praying. I'm going to tell you, the reason that it doesn't work is because we're trying to receive what Jesus gave us, this heavenly calling, the call that we're trying to be it in a Western worldly mindset of individualism. You know, this is, it's just me and Jesus. No, he says, we have to be together in this. It takes you and me and all of us agreeing together in prayer for healing, agreeing together for breakthrough, agreeing together. We're called to walk in oneness. You can summarize this whole uh, verses four through six, you can summarize it this way. There's one. You want to summarize it? Just say, there's one. There's one. And your calling or invitation is to be one. Why is he calling us to come close to him? To be one with him. Your calling or invitation is to be one with God by the Holy Spirit. Your calling or invitation is to be one with each other. Look around. You've got your calling is to be one with each other by love. One with God by the Holy Spirit. One with each other by love. Are you hearing me, church? That's why Christianity is a team sport. 
We're called to live out this heavenly calling in oneness. Are you catching any of this? Our theme for this year, I'm going to ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. This morning, I, yesterday as I was studying, and all week I've just sensed that God really wants to do something in this church, in our lives, in this community. I just sense like an anticipation. I don't know, I can't put my finger on it, but when God says I want to do something, I, I just like give in to that. But then this morning I show up here and there's this, sense, there's this spirit of, of opposition. And it's, you know, the devil doesn't want us to come together as one. He doesn't want us to be one with the Father. He doesn't want us to be one with each other. Why? Because the Bible says that when you are, that there is nothing that is impossible. He's defeated in our oneness. Are you hearing me? And if you've noticed, there just seems to be a sense of quiet and reservedness this morning. I'm going to tell you, church, we've got to shake that off. We've got, we got, we got to follow our calling, our invitation to come up hither. I'm going to ask you, in just a moment, we're going to receive communion in just a moment. But I'm going to ask you today to, to, to shake off whatever it is that's holding us back. There's something that, it's this... And I know it's just, it's just the enemy. It's the opposition of the enemy. He's trying to hold us back from going further today. I want to tell you, we just got to shake it off today. Our theme for this year, for 2023, what the Lord put on my heart is this. Set the course. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Set the course in this. I know my calling. My calling is to Him. My calling is to God. Set that course. Decide every aspect of your life is centered around pursuing Him. Are you hearing me? From the time you get up until the time you get up. Not from the time you get up to the time you go to bed. Even in your sleep, just tell yourself, I'm going to worship God in my sleep. From the time you get up till the time you get up. Just be consumed with pressing into let your heart be consumed with the invitation that he's given you. God, the God of universe, the creator of heaven and earth right now is saying to you, he's calling you, he's saying, come up close to me. I want you close to me. It's all the barriers have been removed. Yes, that, that the sin that you had, that, that used to keep you away from me, but it doesn't have to anymore. Under the blood, it's past. Ask forgiveness. Come close. Set your eyes. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Set your course. Decide now that you're going to be one with God. You're going to be one with each other. Fix your eyes on Jesus and don't let go. Be like that woman with the issue of blood that, that crawled to him and grabbed a hold. I, I think in the spirit she's still holding the hem of his garment. I think in the spirit she still grabbed a hold and said, now, I'm not letting go. Just like Jacob when he wrestled with God. Do you remember that? I'm not letting go till you bless me. Set your eyes on Jesus. Determine I'm not letting go. Would you bow your heads with me? 
Like I said, we're going to receive communion in just a minute. So if you don't have a communion cup, put your hand up and we'll make sure you get one. Just lift your hand up. I see a couple here. There's one on this side. There's one over here. If you would, just get your communion cup. The Bible teaches us as we receive communion, as we receive from the Lord's table, holy communion, he says to examine your heart. As we prepare to receive from the Lord's table, I want you to take a moment right now. Just stop and take a moment. Examine your heart. Is your life, is your life consumed with pursuing, pursuing God? Is your life consumed with the oneness of being one with God and drawing near to Him? Examine your heart. Are you right with God today? Examine your heart. Do you? Is there any unconfessed sin that's keeping you back from pursuing Him? Right now, just get it under the blood. Say, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me for that. Forgive me. Give me the strength to overcome that. Forgive me. Is there any unforgiveness in your heart for somebody else that will hold you back? Let the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, I just pray, Lord, over every one of us that you would reveal to us today, right now, any area in our heart that's not right with you, Lord, through unconfessed sin or, or issues, but is also not right with our brother and sister through unforgiveness. Lord, I, I pray, Holy Spirit, each one of us, that you would reveal that to us today. With God, you just simply say, Lord, I, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. In fact, let's just all just say that. Lord, come on, everybody together. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, forgive me a sinner. Make me right with you. Lord, your word says to be holy for you are holy. Lord, become my righteousness. Forgive me of my sins today. As you pray, if the Lord has revealed to you any unforgiveness for somebody else, Lord, I pray that you would give them the strength to go to that person and say, I forgive you. I forgive you. Go to that person and say, will you forgive me? I'll tell you, it's the doorway to healing. It's the doorway to restoration. So, Father, today we, we pray this, Lord, as we come to this place, Lord, we've examined our heart. We've examined what's in our heart and what needs to be removed so that we can press into you. And, God, we've confessed unconfessed sin. And we've, we've, Lord, opened our heart to hear, Lord, about any unforgiveness. And, Lord, we just pray, Lord, today, as we partake of this, I want you to take your the wafer in your hand. Open it up and take that wafer. 
Jesus says, this is my broken body, which was broken for you. Why don't you take it and break it? His body was broken so that you could be made whole again. When you partake of his body, you're not just eating away for you're partaking of the broken body of Jesus for your wholeness. Let's partake and receive. I want you today, as you partake, I want you to say, Lord Jesus, I receive your wholeness for my life. Receive it. Take the cup. Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. He says, this is, it is my blood that makes you a new creation in Christ Jesus. It's my blood that gives you a new covenant, a new agreement, a new life with me. It's my blood. It's my blood that covers your sins. It's my blood that covers your past. It's my blood that, that gives you the, the, the freedom to pursue me. You have the freedom to come close to me. It's the new covenant in my blood. Let's stop and let's receive today. As you receive this, say, Lord, I accept the new covenant that you have in your blood. Let's receive it. Father, we today, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for what you're doing. I'm going to ask you just to stand to your feet. We're going to worship in just a moment here. We're going to take a moment and we're going to worship. We're going to take our time here and in the next few minutes, if you have to leave, that's up to you. But I'm going to invite you to come and find a place at the altar. Find a place to stand and just worship. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do today as we sing this song. We're going to sing this song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome. Holy Spirit, come. We're going to sing, but I want you to sing it this way. Holy Spirit, you're welcome here. You're welcome in my life. You're welcome in my heart. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place. So I want to just ask you, lift your hands. Go ahead and listen to this. Me. 